Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Today we're chatting about business books and we've got a big interview. We're going to be talking about whether they can help boost your copywriting business. As many of us have a burning desire to be a published author, I know I do, or maybe we have a novel on the go in the secret, we can never manage to work on due to client demands. But can we channel those book writing urges into publishing a business book? And if we do, what impact will it have on our business? This is what we're going to chat about today. We're going to chat through the pros, the cons, the practicalities and the challenges. And guess who we're talking to? Kate Toon. If you're thinking about writing an ebook or a real life paper book, this episode is for you. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. I have no book, but I have a business called Copyright Matters, and I created the Copywriting Masterclass course. With me is my co-host and the subject of today's interview, Kate Toon. You've really built me up there. People are thinking we're going to have like Stephen King or something on the show, and it's just boring old me. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success. And yes, I have a book. But before we get into the interview, I want to uh, ask you, Kate, where would you go on holiday if you had buckets of money and heaps of time? Well, I hope one day to do one of those trainy train holidays around Europe where you get like an interrailing ticket um, and go with my family and just... I want to see everything in Europe that I never bothered to see when I actually lived there. So, you know, I want to go to to Spain and Germany and Belgium and Hungary and Italy and Czechoslovakia and everywhere, you know, and really see everything. I like that. I would would like to do that as well. Uh, well, Come with me. Come with us. (laughs) Well, we've got buckets of money, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I, you know, I didn't really have the time aspect. I couldn't get past buckets of money. Whenever I think of it, like awesome holiday, I always think of the beach. And quite frankly, I hate the beach because <laughs> the sun is too hot and I burn and I hate sand. But I would love the like to have some kind of beautiful shack on the water, on aqua marine water. You know, and you think you can do that anytime. But what I want with my buckets of money is I don't want to have to cook and I don't want to have to clean and I want beautiful furnishings and I just want to stay there. Okay. So you want maybe some, maybe a, a chef and a, a pool oh, yeah. boy. Oh, yeah. And a, a masseuse. And a nanny and a masseuse. And I want a beautiful bed with, you know, fly screens and I want aquamarine water and beautiful food. That's what yeah. I want. Oh, yours sounds better than mine. I'll come on yours instead. <laughs> all right, so enough holiday talk because I did actually spend all afternoon thinking about that wonderful holiday. <laughs> Let's get into this. So um, if listeners, if you may or may not know, Kate has written a book and it's called Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur and it's a bit of a business guide. So I want to read you the back cover blurb because it sums it up nicely. It says, while most small business owners network before breakfast and hustle 24-7, Kate Toon took a different approach. She built her business empire from her back garden shed while wearing pajamas, watching Netflix and eating crisps. Kate isn't your stereotypical entrepreneur, but she created not one, but three highly successful businesses without any master plan, rich investors or input from schmarmy sales gurus. 
In Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, Kate shares how she went from business nobody to business success. Packed with tips, hints, stories, and strategies, it's hilarious, honest, and a non-fluffy guide to being the kind of entrepreneur you want to be. So if you're sick of trying to do all the things, optimizing the crap out of everything, and wasting money on expensive six-figure business schemes, this is the book for you. And I'm halfway through, and I absolutely agree with this blurb, so... Kate. <laughs> you read that beautifully. When I when I do the audio version, I'm going to get you to to, to read that bit out because you read it really well. It's so weird. This feels really weird that you we're talking about my book on our podcast. It feels a bit <laughs> feels horribly self indulgent, and uh, and it kind of is uh, because let's be honest, uh, you know, publishing a book and, and getting it out there is is really hard, and obviously um, having this podcast is one of the ways that I can talk about it. So I'm very blessed that the lovely Belinda Weaver is letting me talk about the book and pretending to be interested in it. So thank you. <laughs> but you know, I think. Uh, a lot of our listeners will think, I'm going to write a business book one day. It seems to be what everyone's doing, or at least what we all would like to do. So I think it's a good topic to dig into. Yeah. So I want to I find out what was the goal here? Why did you decide to write a book? My goal was to write a book. That is that simple. A few people, um, I'm in a, a mastermind group with a, with a lady called Susie Daphnis, which I know you're in as well. Belinda and 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 a few times she sort of said well look you know I ask a question about something and she said well look what was the goal of the book and I'll kind of shuffle past that question because I didn't have a goal do you know what I mean like people are like oh well are you looking to increase your list are you trying to you know improve your brand or take a new direction or get speaking gigs or whatever and it's like nope I just wanted to be able to say that I'd written a book I wanted it to arrive in a box and get it out and be able to smell it, to be able to smell my own book. So that's that was my goal. Um, I have written a couple of other books before, but not business ones. Um, so that was my goal. In the typical Kate Toon way, I've kind of worked out what it can do for me afterwards. I didn't kind of work out what it could do and then do it. Does that make sense? It yeah. Sense it's hilarious. Um, but it, So it sounds like a more of a personal kind of, I can do this. I'm going to stretch myself. It's definitely that. And also, I, I love books. Do you know what I mean? I'm a person who likes physical books. I think there is no higher achievement other than maybe, you know, saving lives and, and, and inventing, you know, amazing technology than to write a book. I, you know, books are a huge part of my life. So I wanted to be part of that, you know. Oh, I think that's fair enough. Mm. So mm. what's your what's the writing process? Because I think this is where people go, I'm going to write a book too. Oh, where do I start? So walk us through the process and the tools you used as well. Well, look, obviously over the over the years, I've amassed an awful lot of things that I've written. So when I started the book, I, I felt no shame in that I was going to cannibalise some of the content that I had already written. So I didn't start with a blank page. I did have some bits and bobs to work with, as I'm sure we all do, you know what I mean? So um, when I sat down to write it, I didn't use any special tools. I know that a lot of people swear by Scrivener um, for structuring content and, and courses and stuff, but I, I could just never understand Scrivener. So I just used uh, Word as my tool. Um, I used Tomato Timer, and we've talked about the Pomodoro technique before, so 25 minute spurts of writing. Um, five minute break so I use I use that um, and you know kind of gave myself permission to do random bits so I didn't write it from start to finish I wrote bits that I was enjoying writing and then I went back and I did other bits and then I tweaked bits it was messy it wasn't linear um, it was very messy and all over the shop and the truth is 
I'm not sure I would have got it done, but for the help of a lady called Kelly Exeter, um, who uh, wrote a book called A Life Less Frantic. Um, so we'll, we'll link to her in the show notes. But she is kind of like a... Sorry, I've got these two birds outside my window who are having a massive row, so I hope you could, can't... That's not ruining it for you. But, um, yeah, so she was a bit of a mentor. And although she kind of didn't actually do that much in terms of helping me write it like she didn't sort of sit there and coach me we only talked a few times she did look at the structure uh, she definitely helped me come up with a title and once I had a title it all kind of felt like it was real she looked at my structure she told me what to include and what not to include to kind of keep a narrative going which is really helpful and then she also threatened me she threatened me that if I didn't get my first draft done by this particular date she would donate out of her own money to the Donald Trump campaign um, I remember that I was like it, wasn't there a bet involved in there this? was a bet and so I couldn't have that happening um and so uh, apparently now she found out that you can't donate to the Donald Trump campaign unless you're American or something somebody told her and if that's true but uh she said it was either the trump campaign or the nra so either way i was like i don't want that to happen and that was a huge motivator to get a very filthy dirty first draft done um and then you move into editing which is actually even harder than the writing so it is grim (laughs) but i wonder i wonder like did you stop taking on clients did you stop doing other work like you do a hundred million other things kate when did you do this writing so I did stop taking other clients and I did do it in a, a vague lull, if there is such a thing as a lull in my world, um, where I kind of said I wouldn't be online for the week. That, that didn't turn out to be true. So pretty much I wrote it in about a week. So I just sat down and I would, you know, it's about, I don't know how many words it is, maybe 45, 40 40 something thousand. And I just wrote like five or 6,000 words a day. I just wrote them. I'm just quiet because I'm listeners. I too am shocked that Kate wrote a book in a week. It was a crap book though. Like literally, (laughs) if you read that first version of it, some of the lines are just like, and here I'll say something like, bloody, bloody, blue, blue. Do you know what I mean? So I just did what you love doing. I did the morning pages, but just as my book and got stuff down. And some of, you do get some genius that comes out of just letting your brain slip sideways and just writing. But God, it needed a lot of work after that. A lot of work. And so let's let's talk about what happens. What happened next? So let's... Yeah, how did you handle the editing and the proofing? Because, you know, as something we've talked about is most of copywriting, most of good copywriting is the editing. And it sounds like that was most of writing a book is the editing. Yeah, it was arduous. I mean, um, I had a slightly haphazard process. So I'm very lucky in that my mum and dad, um, hello tunes, not that you listen to this podcast, I'm sure, because you don't understand what podcasts are. Um, Although that's a lie, my dad is starting a podcast. So um, not so I'll have to share that with everybody when he when he started it. So we'll talk about that another time. Anyway, um, mum and dad read the first draft and they tidied it up enough for me. Like they got rid of like complete gobbledygook and you know like Catherine, what do you see in here? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's how my dad talks. <laughs> um, so they then it was good enough to send to Kelly. Like it was actually readable. It was legible because the version I sent to them was barely legible. And then I sent it to Kelly and she kind of looked at it and kind of said. 
you know, this chapter doesn't really fit. What are you trying to say here? She kind of gave top level edits, you know, love, love this bit. Um, this bit could actually, you've repeated it over here. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it, don't like it, move it, get rid of it sort of stuff, which is really useful. Then I did another draft um, and I really filled in the gaps. Um, and that, that took a while. So that probably took a, another couple of weeks to do the next draft. So the first draft was quicker than the second draft, as it were. Um, and then again, mum and dad, thank you very much. They tidied it up. And then I actually sent it out to 20 pre-readers. Um, it hadn't been edited and it hadn't been proofread yet, but I just sent it out to 20 pre-readers who were very kindly offered to read the book and they were amazing. So they found so many errors, so many bits and bobs. They said, I don't get what you're trying to say here. Like I make a lot of references to things that I think everyone will get, but nobody gets them. <laughs> so that was really useful to get 20 different people from different countries and different walks of life to read it. So then I made all their edits. And then I sent it off to my actual editor editor, which is a guy called Bill Harper from Sharper Copy. And he probably took a couple of weeks uh, to do a proper edit. So that's a line edit. And then I sent it back to Kelly uh, and she made a few changes. And then I sent it to a proofreader who made some changes, a lady called Trish Arnott. And then I sent it to 10 more readers <laughs> who made even more suggestions, like really stupid things. Like I'd forgotten to thank my husband in the book, like stuff like that, you know. Um, you had to have someone else point that out. Kate. I know. I thanked my dog twice, yeah. but I had to thank my husband. So <laughs> things like that are important. And then it was kind of done. Uh, then I got it typeset, so Kelly actually turned it into like a booky looking book. And then I had it proofed again, and even then, so this is after maybe 40 different people had read it, there were still errors even after it had been typeset. So it just shows. And, the, and even the other day I picked it up and read a page and found an error. So it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, and I guess for anyone considering this kind of project, this is where you need to put the time in and it sounds like you also need to think heavily about using different people for different jobs yeah like it's I not just so. finding a proofreader and that's it no and I mean I don't think the book would be I'm not saying I mean I was going to say as good as it is and that sounds terrible but I mean everybody added something to it do you know what I mean like it, it takes it takes a village to write a book is, is what I, I would now say um so yes, definitely, it, it's a it's a it's a challenge. And you know, when I see people sort of saying online, "Oh, you know, my twenty four hour book writing uh, template thing," you know, I, I I think you could write a book in twenty four hours, but it would just be a really really terrible book. Um, yeah. To write a good book and a book that you're proud of, because the thing is, once it this is my first proper book, uh, my first business book, and I, it has to make a good impression, otherwise. I felt it had to, otherwise I could never write another one, you know? So it did take an awful lot of time, yeah. And and so, like, draft one, one week, quick, quick week. Um, how long did all this proofing and editing take? You said it, Bill took a couple of weeks. So Ages, ages, about, I'd say, end to end, three months. Everybody was late. Everybody's dog got sick or things happened or, so, you know, I... Um, I did have a sort of deadline in mind and I lost that very, very quickly. 
Um, I actually set up a Facebook group for the for the book um, called The Misfit Entrepreneurs, thinking when I set it up that the book was about two weeks away. It was two and a half months before I actually <laughs> I had anything to actually say. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I hadn't yeah, got it finished. So it took a very long time. And, and you know, it cost a lot of money as well. We'll talk, probably talk about that at the end, I think. so. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that's something for people to be aware of is that everything's going to take a lot longer because, you know, to be honest, other people's it's your priority. It's not other people's yes. priority. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And then I had to be patient and wait. I've learned a lot of patience um, and not to hassle people and to just let them and appreciate that the process takes time and, yeah, to be patient. Yeah, when you're relying on other people like that. Yeah, yeah you, you have, have to. to. So next step, um, talk us through the process of actually getting the book published because traditionally you'd have to find a publisher and all that kind of falafel, but, you know, now you can self-publish, which yes. you've done a few times now. I realised the inappropriate yes. use of the word falafel there. I love that. <laughs> I couldn't start using that. That was – I loved that. I gasped at the genius of that. Um, yeah, so I actually, I actually have an agent. Um, I actually got signed to Curtis Brown about five years ago when I wrote my first – my kid's book, uh, but they couldn't find a publisher for it. Um, and I, it didn't even occur to me to send them the manuscript for this because – you know, who's going to want to publish a business book by a relatively unknown nobody? So I I did self-publish. My previous two books, I actually went to a publisher and they did a lot of the work. So they did things like getting ISBNs, they did the typesetting, and they did, you know, the registering it with the National Library. And this time I did all of that myself. Um, so I got my own ISBNs um, and I'll share links to where you can get all of these things. Um, I found my own printer I worked out how to do Amazon and Kindle and it was an absolute, I'd love to swear, but we don't swear on this podcast. It was an absolute falafeling nightmare. And if I had my time again, I would pay a publisher uh, because working out things like, you know, there's lots of different sites like Ingram Spark and Book Buddy and there's millions of them. I couldn't work them out. Um, I fannied around with ISBNs. I had printers and then they let me down. I didn't understand that Amazon was different to Kindle. I still haven't worked out Audible. I don't know how to get it on iTunes. It's, you know, sometimes it pays to pay a professional. But I think I'd got to the point where I spent so much money. I was trying to save money. Um, yeah. And I ended up expending a lot of time and energy instead. So... I would find not a publisher, not I'm not talking about like a penguin level publisher. There are small publishing houses that will do some of this for you um, and it makes it easier. So, yeah. Do you think it's worth people, if someone's considering this, doing the paper and the electronic versions? And if they're going to do it, like is it a PDF or a Kindle? Do you think it's worth doing everything? Well, look, a few people have asked me why I did a print version because that's actually the hardest bit. Um, you know, getting a, you still need an ISBN for, for an ebook if you want to put it on, on Kindle. Um, so you'd still have to do that bit, but you wouldn't have to do some of the other bits. Um, and the printing took a long time as well. I mean, that took a lot longer and there've been a few issues with the print in that some of the books have missing pages and stuff like that. So people have asked me, why did I bother doing that? Why didn't I just do an ebook? And it's because I don't think ebooks are real books. And I'm, I'm old school. I wanted a physical book. Um, to hold and to have. And if I look at my orders, about 80% of people have 
bought the actual book book, whereas others have bought the Kindle. So I have a I, I have a book. I have a version on I have a book that I got printed in Australia. Um, I have a version that's on Create Space, which is called Print on Demand, um, and that's available through Amazon. I have a PDF version that you can download just directly from my site. I have a Kindle version, and soon I'll have an iBooks version and a few others as, as well. So I've done everything. Why did I do that? I guess just because I wanted to and because I wanted to learn the process and see how it all worked. If you were doing it, I just don't, I think the world and his wife have got an ebook. Download my something or other, my 10 ways to do that. It's not a real book to me. Does that make I, sense? Yeah, it does. I agree. I absolutely agree. Like it's, you might, it might be available electronically, but as soon as you call it an ebook, it's just like the tip sheet on my website. Yeah, exactly. It devalues it somehow. So even on, even the PDF version, I don't call it a PDF version. I call it a digital version of the book and I never call it an ebook anywhere because I just yeah. think, yeah, ebooks have become like synonymous with crappy lead generation stuff you know mm. and you, and there's you download the bottom- it and it's not a book it's like three pages of blogs stuck together sort of thing yeah, and then there's the box and the opening and the, the smell box, the smell that's the best bit <laughs> so so let's dig into the mistakes the awkward yes. side of it what would you do differently um for your next book or if you did this again if you never write another book well, I am actually writing another one right now, so I am doing it again. Well, look, obviously now I know how to do it all. Doing things like Kindle and Create Space wouldn't be so hard. I have a printer, despite the fact that they made a few errors. They're only human, and I would, I would definitely use them again. I know the process. So all of that I wouldn't do any differently. Uh, the things I made mistakes on, I think, was promoting it too early. Um, because people pre-ordered the book and then they had to wait absolutely ages and that's fine for the people that knew me but a lot of people I didn't know and it just seemed made me look a bit rubbish and so setting any kind of a deadline I wouldn't do either like you know when the book had literally gone to the printers next time I will start promoting it not before because so many things can go wrong along the way and the other thing which was a big thing was underestimating postage so uh, I'd seen another lady called Sarah Cordiner who has published a book and she made this video about how she underestimated postage and I was like I'm not going to do that and I went to the post office and I took my book and I made sure that my book would not be bigger than two centimeters deep so that it would get through the slot and be counted as a letter uh, this is so anal but I want to tell you this people because it's a big deal so I did that and I was like great it's going to be a letter it will be three dollars so then I sold my book with pack postage included at three dollars but then when I took it back to the post office to post it was 10 grams too heavy to be counted as a normal letter so suddenly it went up to five dollars which doesn't sound much two dollars a book but when you're posting 300 books it does that's a lot it's a lot and there's nothing I can do about it because that's why I charge people so Things like that, you know, you can be prepared as prepared as you like and then things just go wrong. So I'm glad, uncharacteristically for me, I didn't rush any of it. Like I was quite patient. I waited for proofs. I waited for people to do their things. And therefore there are less mistakes than there could have been. But yeah, promoting too early, having a deadline and underestimating postage would be my big mistakes. So talking about promoting too early, what do you think? And I'm going to ask you about how you've actually done the promotion, but I th- isn't there an advantage to kind of giving people a peek behind the scenes to get yes, the think, buzz going? Yeah, I think there is. I'm, my, my previous two books, I actually crowdfunded them um, and, and raised about 10 grand to publish each book. And that, 
That was great because pe people got the concept of it, the fact that it's crowdfunding, you're involved from the ground up. So it works with that. With this thing, it, it did work and people have enjoyed the process. And, you know, I'll share a picture of the cover design. And it does, it, it does build up interest. Like one thing I did very early on was have three different versions of the cover and share them in groups and get people to choose their favorite. And obviously that generated, a, it's a very easy thing on Facebook to click, I like number one, I like number two. So that was a great way of getting the word out. There was just a bit too much of a gap. Like it's fine to tease and show behind the scenes, but not if it's three months, because then you're like, hey, I still haven't got anything to say and it's still not ready. Thanks for yeah. being in my group. You know, it's a bit like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us how you've done the promotion because you know when you're doing self-publishing, you've got to do all the promotion yourself. Yeah. Well, the truth is, and this is something that a lady called Charlotte Calder told me. She's a member of my copywriting group and a, a published author. She's got several kids' books and teenagers' books. Is even if you get it published through like Walker Books or a proper book place, they will not promote the book for you you still have to do the legwork unless you are JK Rowling. So she has an agent, she has, it's been published, they've handled everything, they've handled the distribution, but, you know, getting the word out about the book, they're not going to, you know, ring up the ABC for her and get her on the radio or write articles for the, She has to do that. So either way, whether you self-publish or publish, you'll have to do the legwork. I have mainly done stuff via online because that's where, yeah, as we both feel comfortable. So I uh -huh. set up a Facebook group, which has about 14,000, 1400 people in it now. Oddly, lots of them haven't bought it. And it's like, do you realize why I have this group? <laughs> but um, lots of them have as well. And um, they've been fantastic about sharing it on Instagram. I did a little Instagram competition to take a photo of yourself with the book. And lots of people have done that. I did something called a thunderclap campaign. You can Google thunderclap where people um, agree to tweet the, your book and it all goes out on a certain date. That was absolutely useless. Don't worry, don't do that. It was a waste of time. Are um, you telling me my tweet was wasted? You know why? Because I set the tweet to go out at like 1 a.m. or something ridiculous on a Saturday. Like, oh. Oh. So it probably might be effective if I was less of a chimp. So um, only do Thunderclap if you're not a complete Muppet. Um, I've done a few <laughs> podcast appearances like this one, but on a few other pods as well. Um, I, I was interviewed on ABC Radio, which was good. Um, but it, that's going to be the hard bit. One thing I didn't do, and this is what a lot of entrepreneurs do, is they actually give their book away. So what they do is they give the book away for a set period um, of, of time, and then what they're able to do is they're able to become an Amazon bestseller. And then mm. what they do is they take a screenshot of the momentary minute where they are actually top of a particular category for that day because they've given away thousands and thousands of their book. And then they can call themselves an Amazon bestseller. So I am by no means an Amazon bestseller. I think via Amazon, I've maybe sold 40. Um, I've sold way, you know, and all up so far, I think I've sold 400, which isn't a lot, but it's enough for me to partially cover my costs not completely because mm. all up i think it's cost about probably about ten thousand dollars all up and that's not including my time obviously it's just that's you know more than that probably because the printing alone for a thousand copies was about six and a half grand so 
Yeah. Am I giving too much detail here? I probably am. No, no, it's fantastic. And I think this is the kind of thing that people need to think about when you have these lofty goals of I'm going to write a business book and people should, people should achieve these kind of things, but then you need to break it down in how am I going to actually make this happen? And that's what this pod's all about. Like this is the real dirty side of writing and publishing a book. It's expensive. It takes time. It's hard work, but let's talk about the payoff. Yes. And again, I apologize for the dog. Can you hear that dog? Yes. I love the background noise of your pods, Kate. I I don't. It's awful. I'm so embarrassed. Um, Anyway, what's the being the payoff? Well, um, financially, I honestly haven't kept track. I think if I did, I'd be really depressed. Um, So... I haven't like done a spreadsheet of what it's cost and what it hasn't got. I probably will because I'll probably write a blog about it at some point. Um, so financially, not a huge payoff. Although, because I spent a lot of the money a while ago, now every time I sell one, it does feel like I'm earning money. I'm probably yeah. not. But do you know what I mean? It's that the distance between the paying out and the getting in is sufficient to make me feel fabulously successful. And um, well, the investments are sunk cost as well. You've already spent it. so Yes. Yeah, it's done. And I have, you know, a lot of spare books left over that I can then use for other things. But the payoff, I think, has been the achievement. It's done. It feels like a huge thing ticked off my list, um, which I think, you know, is, is a big thing for me. Like, I've, 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 I've achieved the thing. Um, it's The feedback I've had on the book has been amazing, almost surreal. Like, I can't believe that people are reading my book. They're taking pictures of themselves, like, in the bath and on the loo and, and on planes and on buses and up mountains and stuff, clutching my book. And that is bizarre. Like, we've always said how bizarre it is that people are listening to our podcast all over the world and we feel a bit weird about that, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, though. It's awesome. Well, um, you know, I have to, I've had to... Uh stop reading it while I'm nursing in the middle of the night because I've got a baby who's actually finished and fallen asleep in my arms and I'm still reading and I'm like, it's 2.30 in the morning, I need to go back to bed. Oh, that's nice. People have said that they've, they've, people are saying they binge read it and that they're, you know, they've snorted tea onto their keyboards and stuff like that. And, you know, that kind of feedback is, is amazing. I think from a business point of view, which is kind of what this pod was supposed to be about, I think it, it definitely builds a lot of trust because... I'm very honest in the book and I, and I and I really show myself for who I am. Um, and if you like me after reading the book, well, then I think there's going to be more trust. Um, and as I said, that wasn't the goal. It wasn't to, um, you know, do that. But I think that has been a side effect. In terms of awareness, I'm not sure it, it's increased awareness of me that much because that hasn't, I've only published it a couple of month, weeks ago. Um, it will, something dramatic will have to happen for me to kind of become famous from it do you know what I mean like some famous person will have to pick it up and read it and go oh my god you know um you'll have to have like Kevin Spacey read it or something and, and <laughs> or Kim Kardashian but no for awareness I think it's definitely broadened my audience a little bit not hugely but a little bit and because it's not directly related to anything that I sell so it's not about being a copywriter it's not really about SEO it's about just being a human who has a business I don't think it's going to like dramatically boost sales of all my stuff um but again that I, I didn't have that as a goal so I don't know it's made me feel good I think that's about it what about <laughs> I would also suspect that it's helped you- it's made a lot of your tribe, the people who like you already, like you even more. Like it's really cemented yeah. some relationships with people. Yeah, I think it has. Uh, I, I like to, I don't have a tribe. I think I have like a gang. 
uh, with flick knives. But yes, I think the gang, the, the misfit, I mean, I've actually, we've got a, the group on Facebook, which is the misfits, and people will talk about themselves doing something misfitty and it's become a noun and a verb and an adjective. Um, and I like, I like that. That feels, that feels pretty cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I've seen people use it in other groups as well, like hashtag misfit. Um, so that feels pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know where it will lead. I mean, I, I do think it, it kind of elevates you a little bit to have written a proper book. I don't know quite how, but I'm always impressed by people who've written a book. So yeah, I assume no, other I people agree. will be, you know. I'm impressed you've written a book. Like, not just I one know, book. because you I know me. You yeah. know what a lump I am. You're like, geez, she wrote a book? Anyone can do it. <laughs> so not true listeners. Um, so, so I want to wrap up with, would you do it again? You said you're writing another book already, so obviously there's another business book in there. Yeah, but I think my, I think, so I think I'm definitely going to go down the route of taking the piss out of business. I think that's my niche. Um, so there is helpful stuff in my book, you know, very much so. You know, I include tips and advice. And um, although it is kind of, it's vaguely my story, it's it's kind of everybody's story. Um, so it's not like a, it's not like my biography or anything. But I think the next book, I definitely want to just kind of take the piss more. So it won't be necessarily about me. It will be about stupid things people do in business um so it's business with laughs that's kind of what I'm going for I think I like it I like it but let's um loop back to misfits where can people buy it Kate call to action look at us with our call to action this has turned into a promotional podcast I do apologize um you can get the book from www.katetoon.com slash misfits uh and available on Amazon and Kindle and soon to be other places as well um yeah so buy it and let me know what you think yeah thanks for sharing all that detail Kate that's a real excellent behind the scenes look at what it takes to actually write a freaking book yeah don't don't let it put you off though I've probably sounded overly negative because I've just come out the other side um and I think you know talk to me in a month or so and I'll have forgotten all the bad bits and just be like it's the best thing ever Um, (laughs) so so definitely try it um and and it's definitely worthwhile cool Well, regular listeners will know at this time we read out a review of the show. We're giving a shout out to DW Copy who left a review on Stitcher. Um, I've just listened to a few of Kate and Belinda's podcasts and I'm pretty impressed. Never really been a podcast listener, but I'm like a kid at Christmas with these ladies. I can't decide which pod to open first. Can hardly wait to listen to the whole lot and don't doubt I'll be learning heaps along the way. Oh, I love that one. Thank you, DW Copy. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating and review, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. Uh, Your review helps others find us, of course. Um, And as I said, we just read it out. We give you a link if we know who you are. If you've got any thoughts on Kate's process, Kate's book, head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. And, of course, we would love to know where you would go on holiday if you had buckets of cash and loads of time you can tell us on twitter hotcopypodcast.com or on our facebook page so thank you thank you thank you kate thank you belinda thank you very much for interviewing me this is fun uh, <laughs> and until next time happy writing everyone so you're still listening great because i wanted to tell you about my new podcast the Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed 
full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Hang on, I'm, uh, uh, hang on. Uh, uh.